This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius, diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett, fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three, good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight! The one-handed catch, hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34, it. and it is over! Zero losses, zero doubt. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer. And we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week, except for last week. <laughs> Make sure to check us out on Twitter at Viva La Cats Pod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date uni tracker info from Steve. We've got uh, a lot to cover, and we're not going to go into super detail on some things because um, the past two weeks have been the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, We're going to start with a high, and then we're just going to continue to depress you for the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes. So, uh, Steve, why don't you start us off with some good news? Well, Justin, uh, our listeners, uh, or if our listeners are unaware... It's time to play pump it up in your car because Luke Fickle has been massively extended. Uh, his Johnson has been extended for another year, $5 million per year. Pay that man, pay a debt man his money. Uh, he's the new bag man in town. He's the new bag man in town, and he's going to go to – he talked about in an article yesterday in The Athletic about how he wants to go to P&G and ask for more money, and now he's got more <laughs> money for – himself more money for his assistance and uh they're gonna uh have to send in the national guard to get him out of there because he's not yeah. going anywhere <laughs> shout out to i ain't Dolphins. fucking leaving <laughs> they're gonna yeah. have to send in the national guard because <laughs> i'm going nowhere <laughs> what a great line but uh yes <laughs> justin but after a few markedly uh unimpressive days for cincinnati sports well i wouldn't say unimpressive uh after a few markedly uh, sad days in Cincinnati yes. sports. Uh, that was a great. That was a, Monday was a great day uh, when that notification rolled in. I, I guess Justin like kind of was just sitting in his office and uh, kind of knew about it already. So right. It, uh, shout out to Justin for breaking that news. But and it's exciting. Like uh, a coach like Luke Fickle, you know, it's crazy to me to think as a Bearcats fan that after seeing Kelly, Antonio, and Jones all leave and then Tubbs flop. That yep. he this 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 guy that you know a lot of people were lukewarm about and <laughs> one of my favorite things is like I don't I don't rub it in his face because I like Mo but uh, when you see hired uh, Coach Fickle uh, <laughs> Mo Egger had a thing where he had a hashtag Fickle face and had everybody tweet him their Fickle face and uh, his Fickle face was him being Fickle on it which was a very like confused look you know yeah <laughs> and. Uh, 
and I don't think anybody could have predicted that five years on, heading into year six, that one, he'd still be here, and that two, yeah. he would have signed a $5 million deal as we head into the Big 12. Like, that's real money, Justin. That's yeah. third behind, uh, I think, only Venables from OU and I think Gundy from Oklahoma State. But really, I think that's all, you know? Yeah. Which well, is crazy one- to think about. One thing I wanted to mention too, I think it, I think Justin Williams may have elaborated on that. Maybe it's Chad Brundle, but somebody had said in a tweet that I saw recently that um, Fickle's five million is his five million is Kelly's, Jones, and uh, Tuberville's combined. All in one year is still higher than all three of those combined, which is just an insane number and shows like the level of commitment from the athletic department uh, to keep Fickle around. And like honestly. If you're going to pay the man $5 million, I don't know where he's going to go that he's going to get much more than that, especially like considering where this program is headed. Like, I mean, obviously, in the you sign a contract to 2028, you hope that he stays the whole time. Everybody will hope that's the case. But um, again, like this is this is really, really good news. And it shows that the athletic department is finally putting some real money um, behind because like we've even had you know flocked some criticism too um, even with the West hire um, because you know he was he's on what like 1.2 a mil a year something like that um, which makes him arguably like a steal um, if you know West turns uh, turns out to be the coach that everyone's saying he will be and has the potential that he has so um, fickle we know there's not potential we know where it's at um and we know the ceiling can only get just a little bit higher and i mean that's that's a nice feeling to have too is to know that you know this is a coach that can take you to the college football playoff um and if we can have that now looking through trying to keep that for another six years i mean sign me up (laughs) you don't have to you don't have to do anything for me you do not have to worry about me (laughs) so yeah um while all of that is really good news, um, speaking of Wes Miller and speaking of uh, basketball, we are now going to depress you for the next 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> um, ugh. So we didn't record last week, um, mainly because um, we both had pretty busy schedules um, with stuff going on and you know it, everything was coming up with the Super Bowl, which we'll also get into. Um, which maybe will be another 10 minutes of depression, but regardless, um, basketball just was meh. And now, given another week, it's just a lot more meh. And it's, unfortunately, the Bearcats are one in three um, since we have recorded our last podcast. So maybe that means that if we don't record every week that the Bearcats are not going to win. Um, So maybe that's our fault. So sorry about that. Um, We have brought about the bad luck. Um, and I, I don't know. I, we, we just lost to Memphis last night. Um, if you look at the grandstand of our last six games, the Bearcats are four and six, uh, with L's, not with W's, <laughs> uh, um, I mean, uh, two and four, like we've lost four of our last six. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting the losses here. Four oh. and six, four out four of six. Four out of six, sorry. Yeah. Four out of, um, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't keep my head on straight here because I'm just two wins, four losses, got it. Yeah. It, 
it's just a mess right now. Um, since our loss to Temple on the road, um, the Bearcats have scrounged up a one-point um, last-minute floater uh, put back from David DeJulius at ECU. Um, and then we got trounced by 22 points, which could have been more against Houston at home, um, which we were expecting to lose, but not by that much, especially considering uh, some of the other teams they have played and where that has gotten us to. USF, 70-59, to win on the road, solid. Tulsa, 83-77 to loss. And Memphis, an 81-74 to loss at home. Um, that's just the general take on everything, but we're going to go specifically into Memphis here because, um, youch. Why don't why don't you give us a little rundown on exactly what happened last night? So it was a Throwback Tuesday last night. Um, this was the rescheduled game that was originally supposed to be a Throwback game um, from a couple weeks ago, but got rescheduled because of the weather. Um, and last night it was a lot of fun. Like there was definitely good atmosphere. It was a first sold out crowd, I think, since the well since the Houston game, but. There was only one of two sold-out crowds, I think, this year, which was good to see. Um, there was It seemed like there was a lot of buy-in. People were into it. People were excited. Maybe that Georgia game earlier this year was a sellout, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, Justin, it, but just from the jump, like Memphis jumped all over us, and we really just had zero response and had to call from a deficit the entire time, which is not how you're going to win if you have a talent deficit. Like You kind of have yeah. to keep it close the entire game and you know for all the jokes we've made about penny this year they're on a six game winning streak and they just took down yep. houston on saturday in houston like they're they found something right now and it's it's really going and maybe that's mm-hmm. uh, amani bates seemingly removing himself from the team <laughs> uh, i don't yeah. know about that situation that's a weird one but since penny's rant to the media they're six and zero. uh so we're maybe we're just a we're less talented team catching a more talented team at the time where they're hottest and but just from just from like being in the building you could see that what the things i liked were that the effort was there the entire game and climbing out of a 17 point hole to cut it to four points is still a herculean feat in college basketball even if you're the home team it's still like a big thing to do um and like I like that, like you know, defensive effort was there. It just seemed like we were getting caught out of place so many times, and there was, you know, we were just overcommitting on one pass, and then they'd make that extra pass, and I was either a three or a layup. Um, I saw there was something after the game that was like second chance points was twenty one to two in favor of the Bearcats, but that was because Memphis was making all their shots on their first try. Yeah, <laughs> like it yeah. really wasn't. It really wasn't like that much of a. You know, if you look at the box score, that looks cool. But if you watch the game, you realize, oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I wanted to point this out. Um, Memphis shot fifty-three from percent from the field, forty-one percent from three, eighty percent uh, from the free throw line, uh, while the Cats mm-hmm. shot thirty-six percent from the field, twenty-four percent from three, and seventy-five percent from the free throw line. Um, so, when I don't know, I I just don't see us as a a team that shoots more than twenty threes a game, and we're gonna do it. I'd like to make more of them. Um, <laughs> Mid range, we need to like. I think New- losing Newman uh, to foul trouble kind of hurt because yep. he is our mid range king, and you know he was. It, there was a, at one point in the night, 
I think it was like when we were down by six and trying to come back where there was five guys on the perimeter and obviously Noah Doe last night that hurt on both ends of the floor. It was painfully obvious that you're just getting cooked down there, but man, like I don't want Hayden Koval shooting threes unless he's like, you know, really like about it and about to, about to make it like we need one. This is more of a program thing that I want to save for the off season, but Justin, we need one dominant big to make this Cincinnati basketball. It's not Cincinnati basketball without that dominant big. And yep. like I didn't watch on uh, Saturday night because we had the Valentine's plans on Saturday, but uh, it seemed like we missed a doe in that game too, and we were just they just killed us inside. Um, if you want to break that down, game real uh, that game real quick, we can. But that was a bad loss. But I think Justin, just from an overall standpoint. Uh, this should have been what we expected, but I think you and I and everybody else got really excited after that Illinois game and that five and zero start. But pointed out last night in the chat, we're eleven and nine since that uh, since that five and zero start. Like, and yep. maybe this is more of the norm we should have expected, and maybe people wouldn't have been so disappointed uh, right. after that. But I don't know. I think that's just the. I think expectations really got elevated after that one game, which is. Probably not fair to say because it was a neutral site tournament game and uh, everybody else but Kofi Coburn was off their game that night for Illinois. Yeah. But I don't know. That's it's okay that people got excited and it's okay that people got disappointed. I mean, that's just shows you where the expectations of the program are. Right. Well, and I think my biggest thing that I've realized is that if you were to take that Illinois, uh, Illinois game off the board um this looks like you know a very expected year one game like year one for west miller like everyone would expect without that illinois game the expectations are just so so much different um and i think and i think too everybody goes to the illinois game i think even more so the arkansas game because illinois like is obviously still stuck around um but the arkansas game right after that too like we were in that until the final, you know, it it's, it's, you're chalking up free throws at the end of the game. You're chalking up possessions at the end of the game. Um, and that's really what costs you. But um, those two games back to back on that neutral site, uh, we look at the hall of fame classic going in and we're like, okay, we have to deal with Illinois, Arkansas. And what was K state was the other team, right? Yep. It's like, you look at those three teams, um, you know, really in any given year, and if you don't watch basketball too much, you recognize those names at least. Um, and so we go into that and we're expecting like with this new team with a bunch of new faces that we have no idea what to expect. All of that. Our expectation is we're going to get our ass kicked in game one and then we're just going to, you know, ride it out. Um, and so <laughs> when the complete opposite of that happens, of course, everybody knows that that ceiling is infinitely higher now than what they previously expected. Um, so. So yeah, I think that's been the kind of the not an issue, but the sticking point is that yeah, that meant that Illinois game just changed everybody's perspective um, for the rest of what this season should look like. And I mean, I remember after that game how we started five and zero, you know, beat Illinois by what like twenty points um, and destroyed them. And I think also we need to give a lot more credit to Illinois missing buckets than we do for the Bearcats shutting down. I think they played good defense, but Illinois missed every shot that night. So. Um, I think that's one thing we need to keep in mind too. 
But uh, across the rest of the season, I mean, we go, you know, we're 16 and nine now. Um, definitely more of what we expected, but I think it's just happened so much faster. And again, if we've lost four out of our last six, you turn two of those into wins. We're 18 and seven. You know, it looks a lot better. Um, but again, I think the other difficult part is looking at how the rest of this conference is just cannibalizing itself, how Memphis was downplayed um, all season long because they just had like a rough stretch for a good while. And now they've picked up the pace and Memphis is starting to play like everyone has expected Memphis to be, um, including beating Houston, I think on the road too, uh, by like 10 points. Um, so that's not an easy feat to do. Um, and so I don't know. I, I look at the rest of everything that's happened, um, especially in those like last six since Temple. I think the team is just, we're all over the place. Um, and we're inconsistent and we have good shooting nights against bad teams. Um, and even, and, and even so, like you can say that too, for, uh, Tulsa, because the Tulsa game, um, we were expecting, you know, okay, we've had a couple tough ones lately. We had the Houston game. Um, you know, we had the temple game on the road and you have a couple of these other ones and we squeaked out at ECU. We would expect to see Tulsa and say, okay, easy W even on the road. Um, Bearcats scored 77 and lost, which generally like, that's not a thing that you would expect, but, um, I don't know. I, I think the formula is just some combination of, we need more pieces than what we have. Um, and ultimately I think like you've kind of mentioned earlier, I think there is a talent gap between teams and it's not like a shot on anybody on any single player, um, or anything. It's just there is a clear talent gap when we play teams like Memphis, when we play teams like Houston, um, because we can't afford to shell out, you know, a Mercedes to our every single player uh, in the same way that teams like that could. Um, so I don't know. My, I want to say for all of that, my bright spot in all of this is David DeJulius, um, because I wanted to specifically point out um, that over the last six games in that stretch, um, he has 19 points over that, and he's been pretty consistent um, to get a bucket. Like he's had some nights where he just hasn't really been able to get it going, um, but he's dropped 24. I think. Let's see. Um, trying to find it. Yeah, 25, 24, 23. Like three night or three games in a row, um, which included Houston as well. So he's played well, um, but again, it's just we're all over the board and I really don't know what to say as consolation in order to like make the season feel better. But right now we're six and six in conference um, and dropping games to Tulsa whom we beat uh, 60 to 69 earlier in the season. Um, actually the game before that temple game uh, beat them by that much. So to drop games to Tulsa, um, you know, Memphis and Houston, I think we expected, but Temple, Tulane, like the those are those are some tough ones to lose. Um, so I don't know, man. I I'm been hoping and praying that we find our rhythm, um, especially considering we have Wichita and Temple next, um, which by no means are going to be world beaters. But it's Wichita and Temple, and both of them are at home. So I th would think we'd be okay, but. We really need to figure it out, and I think we need 
more consistency on every side of the ball, and especially defense. And that's actually one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, because you noticed it just as much, I think, as I did. Uh, well, I think the specific thing that you mentioned was that we've never seen a press before, which is exactly what it looks like. We get stuck in the backcourt so often, and Memphis stripped us multiple times yesterday, and it's just it's chaotic, and I don't know why we can't work our way around it. Uh, Memphis was playing, you know, tough ball, but I don't know what, th- this is not a Bearcats defense by any means, by what any, any past defense that we've seen. It, this is nothing compared to that. Well, and not I, in a good way. <laughs> I'll push back on that just a little bit, because like, I think the last two games, like missing a doe really hurt. And obviously we see by how many points the other team scored that, um, you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't help. Uh, to be missing him, um, but I th- I think Justin, the the one thing that I would push back on is that you know we without him in the the middle there's just I don't really think Koval is a like the same defender at this league that he was back at UNCG and that's okay like we we're, yeah. we're not expecting you to be that but um, just from watching them in person last night like the pursuit was there. They definitely got a couple balls that they might not have uh, been supposed to get just from hustle and being able to get active hands out there. Wes is a deflections guy, uh, just like our yeah. our former man. Um, <laughs> but um, I think I think the effort is there, which is the thing. But right now, without a doe in the middle and a, a really strong presence, there's a market of inefficiency where you know you have to bring two guys down to the block to try and cover Jalen Duran, and then he can find someone in the corner who can then find another person. And Memphis was just getting a lot of open looks last night, and they weren't hitting all of them. Uh, and that was kind of what led to Bearcats' resurgence in the second half was like uh, that was really just seeing uh, UC, like uh, seeing a couple Memphis shots not fall and just not right. complete switches. That's true. But, but I think you're right, though, that there is something lacking in this defense currently, and I just don't think we have the players at the moment. Um, I don't want to criticize any of them, but just as a collective, I think like it's just a talent inefficiency at the moment. And uh, <laughs> the, the thing about this past run, too, is that these – I don't want to make excuses at all, but uh, we played two home games, Houston and Memphis, and any reasonable Bearcats fan could have predicted losses in those games because you know, those are tough games. But yeah. those four road games are some of the worst environments in our league that, yeah. uh, that our league has to offer. Uh, Temple on a Tuesday night with 300 fans in attendance. East Carolina <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon with a, a good crowd, but at a high school gym that doesn't look like much. Um, yeah. And then we go to South Florida, where there might have been more Bearcats fans than USF fans in attendance, and that—that's not really even capping. Like there was a Shout lot out of Tampa. UC, <laughs> uh, UC fans there. Um, the Ohio then, retirees. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> and then also, like we know that atmosphere absolutely sucks. Like there is no yeah. juice whatsoever in that building. Um, so I'm willing to give those uh, results to like just. A team not being motivated uh, enough to, you know, go into those road environments where there's no one there and like the janitor makes up for half the noise in the building and <laughs> they lose. But just the way they came out last night and like not being able to break a press, 
uh, Wes gave credit to Penny after the game on his post-game radio show was talking about how they were not prepared for that, which he said that more than once this year. And like he said yeah. that we've been able to break a press before, but they brought a different type of press, which Austin, I only played basketball until eighth grade, but I mean, there aren't like, that many presses. <laughs> there, aren't, there aren't that many presses. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, run a little three-man weave and get the ball into the front court. Come yeah. on now. You you cover – It's there's essentially kind of like in football, at least from the way I see it, there's sort of like a man press and there's like a zone press. And it's like you cover – you know, you have two two guys down court or you have, you know, one guy down court and you have four pushed up and you scramble. Or you just have, you know, everybody guards a man, stay on him. Don't let him break. But that's that from what I see, like Memphis just played push everybody up court, stuff them, and yeah. we could do anything oh, against. Them. And they were doubling De, uh, uh, DeJulius a lot too. And that was that forced Davenport to take more shots. And like, I love Davenport, he's like he's been like our spirit animal for the past two, past two, three seasons, just from a, a local kid standpoint. But He's not a second sh- a scorer right now, and like maybe that's asking too much of him to try and be a second scorer. He had a double double last night, but just some of the shots he takes are just—he's the ultimate no, 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 yes kind of guy yeah. right now. And like maybe if we get another talented guy in the transfer portal this year, or if David comes back for one more year, and uh, you know we get we just get more guys like off the bench, and that pushes. Julie, no, that pushes Dav to be like the third guy. He's a lethal third guy, and like you know, we were thinking Mason Matson might be that this year, like off the bench. Hasn't really been that. Saunders looked a lot better yesterday, um, so I was happy about that. Um, but overall, it's just you know, it's just tough right now. And I, I want to give a shout out to David Julius because he still played well enough last night, even despite the double team and despite obviously being hampered by like that press but he's giving me Deontay Vaughn vibes Justin uh, if yep. you remember who Deontay Vaughn was mm-hmm. uh, and I'm really hoping that either we can pull a miracle run out of us and get to the tournament or the NIT somehow because Deontay Vaughn played all those years of UC basketball and really didn't get to see any of the postseason success from it you know and right he's definitely one of those unfor like unsung heroes i'd say i don't want to say forgotten because i haven't forgotten him but yeah uh but definitely one of those unsung guys that people don't think about when they talk about uh recent uc history so i hope david DeJulius doesn't turn out that way maybe he'll come back for another year because he i think he's got the covid extra year yeah um, i mean if he does come back like that's a fifth year guy coming back and you got a couple more guys maybe you get a couple more guys in the transfer portal too it could mm-hmm. be something next year, but it's just it's all coming downhill, unfortunately, right now. Now, I do want to be optimistic. The next five games, um, the back back two are tough, but next four games, uh, Wichita State at home uh, Thursday night, Temple at home on Sunday afternoon, UCF on the road, uh, which is seems like a winnable game. And South Florida at home on senior night. Now, all of those could be winnable games. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a chance that the Bearcats could take all of those. And weirdly, uh, we don't end 
the season on a Sunday. We end the season on a Thursday. We play yeah. Houston on a Tuesday and SMU on a Thursday. And then we have Which a week those off before back the, yeah. on the road is going to suck. <laughs> it's yeah. going to suck. And we have a week off before the conference tournament. So um, we're probably going to be playing on Thursday uh, for the first time in a long time uh, that any UC mm-hmm. basketball team has played on a weekday during the conference tournament slate. But you know what? I mean, we haven't we haven't really earned it this year. It's been kind of tough sledding recently, um, and all we can hope for you know a couple a good stretch here to end the season. But it doesn't look likely from the last four games. But hey, who knows? Maybe they'll get up and try and like really uh, you know get get this team to. I would love to see twenty wins still. I think we talked about twenty wins being a success at the start of the season, and I still think it would be. And Probably gonna, we're definitely gonna have double digit losses by the end of the season, but 20 wins is still a success to me. Yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna, what, what you're asking for is gonna be a um, mirror opposite finish to what we have had over the last six, which is two of the last six are wins. Now we want four of the last six to be wins. So, oh, we got conference tournament in there. We could, we could, that's get well, okay. That's fair. That's a good point. That's a good point. We could get a um, cheap win there too. I agree. I think that we can pull off the Wichita and temple at home. And I think at UCF, honestly is very winnable. Um, that, that one I think is still going to be a little questionable for me, but I think that USF at home, there should be no, if there's one that we cannot lose, it's that game. To me, yeah. that is the no excuses game. Wichita has firepower. Temple, it's freaking Temple every time. USF, Houston, SMU. There's, you know, they got they got players. <laughs> USF, that is the only one that I really care about out of these to like make sure we win. Because if I think that's just another meter stick kind of game. Um, USF, like on the road, we took care of business, but we need to make sure we do that at home because there's. These bottom of conference teams, we cannot be losing games like that. It's just those kind of things are inexcusable. And like you said too, um, that's one thing. Like if I have, I, I just one criticism before we transition, um, and it's not necessarily positive or negative, um, but I do think, like you said, like Wes has kind of come out in some of his post game interviews and like, yeah, we weren't expecting that, or yeah, we just weren't prepared. It's like, why aren't we prepared? You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, (laughs) like, I mean, I get where there's the stretches where, you know, this one's a little bit tougher. I'll admit because, you know, you're playing uh, a game every what third day, fourth day, let's see every fourth day, um, over the past two weeks. Um, so like there is less time to prepare theoretically for each game versus if you have like a week off or you have five or six days off, but, um, you know, if you're if you're losing to Tulsa, I would hope that it's because you're studying so much film on Memphis, you're ready to kick their ass. Uh, <laughs> you know, we came out yesterday, and I just like you said, I I just don't think we were prepared. Um, and I and again, I think I'm I'm still going to chalk it up too. Too, I think there's just between Memphis talent gap between Memphis. There's definitely not a coaching gap. I think Wes is just as capable of a coach as Penny, um, or even vice versa, but. Um, these are, these are things that we need to, there's the sort of, you know, let that one go. And then there's the take care of business games, uh, Memphis, you can let that one go, but something like a few of these next ones we have coming up, you have to take care of business. Um, year one or not, 
talent, not injuries or not. We, I mean, and to, you know, knock on wood too, we've been fairly healthy this year too, as a team all around. Um, and so we can't really complain about that. We've had the guys out there. It's just not coming together. Um, so I'd like to see that improve. And also, um, my one other point on basketball, um, however this roster shapes up and shakes out to be next year. Um, I know we've got some guys coming in. <laughs> we should, we should be good next year. Um, and I saw somebody make a interesting tweet too, that said like, you know, Brandon left this team, like very unprepared recruiting wise. Um, after like he brought in his initial class, but I would really be curious to see how Wes's teams pan out. And my very, very last point I just want to see Mike Saunders get a lot more minutes than he's had because he's been super effective. And yes, he's very effective coming off the bench and he should stay coming off the bench at least for the rest of the season. But when he's out there, there there's like, you know, whether or not he's hitting shots, there's energy and there's, there's speed. And I think that's the biggest thing is I've noticed sometimes we're just slow on all ends. It's like Mike Saunders and David Julius are cooking people. David Julius cooking with footwork. Saunders is cooking them with speed and Davenport is just hucking shit up. And if he, if it hits, it hits and I, he's a wizard with it somehow. But, um, you know, like those are like our three real like formulas right now. And I feel like we got to commit to something or work with something. Um, but he's been, I think a very big bright spot, at least off the bench. Um, so I don't know. Those are my points. Um, we'll do a quick conference recap because I don't want, I don't, yeah. I don't want to jump straight to the Super Bowl from that, but yep, uh, that's fine. You, the biggest thing to mention the Tulane green wave, our Tulane, our Tulane green wave somehow, some way they have materialized a season out of what looked like would be nothing. And and expectation wise was definitely nothing but Tulane is hot man like they're a good team I don't know what it is I don't know if it's just their high school gym environment or if it's Ron Hunter or if it's just they've got ballers or if they know what they're doing but they're putting something together right now and they're actually a team that I am now scared of whereas before I would have just said yeah it's Tulane easy win easy dub but (laughs) not this year Tulane is a fo- Tulane is a force to be reckoned with, good sir. Yes, uh, they are like menaces to society, and I really think our <laughs> our our nation's leaders should uh, figure out something about them and get get it done. You know, <laughs> Tulane is one and a half games back out of the lead of the conference, which is just, I mean, granted that's because of the top four right now, uh, all have nine wins. And Houston's yep. nine and two versus Tulane being nine and five. But regardless, whether or not that's the case, for Tulane to be one and a half games back in the middle of February is something that I you, I would have put huge money on never happening this year. <laughs> <laughs> Especially considering again what I listed off, I think twice now. But their their opening like ten games was just piss poor basketball against piss poor teams and they've come out and they've beat some dogs this year 
I mean, and they've kept up, but like for some reason, they've been able to materialize a couple wins um, with some, you know, very interesting, a very interesting group of players. Uh, Jalen Cook's been really good this year, too. Um, and, you know, whatever keeps Ron Hunter dancing, I guess. It's all that Wendy's, baby. Uh, I saw they introduced <laughs> some uh, new fries recently. So we have to track uh, how the new fries have related to uh, Tulane success. But but I agree. Like It's cool to see a team that has been a dra- in the dregs of the conference just have a resurgence. And um, our friends from the Roll Blob Pod were making fun of the American teams. And uh, we, have, we can definitely make fun of them too. But it's cool to see like a, a traditionally dormant team like have some fun and yeah there there is a fan base down there like they just haven't had a lot to cheer for recently so good for them yeah i think we can 100 percent agree on this is that if we are not going to be the team that um wins our way into the tournament this year i really hope it's tulane i just want to see them get in i don't even care if they lose in the first game i want to see them get in me too. I think it'd be just fun, even in like some kind of NIT, just having some team have to go down to Yulman and play in that <laughs> that high school gym. Be yeah. very funny to me. I like the NIT, Justin. It's extra basketball, and it doesn't feel as intense as the regular tournament. And I don't know. It's just I'm a fan of college basketball, so it's fun. I agree. I agree on that. And I think also the NIT provides. Um, like an extra level, not even just extra basketball, but extra level of competition too at the end of the year, especially for the teams that were just, you know, really on the bubble or just barely couldn't get in. Um, it gives them a chance to beat up on, you know, some other good teams or even, well, maybe some much less. It allows teams, non-traditional but... <laughs> powers like Memphis and Xavier to hang a banner and celebrate a championship. Yeah, I mean that's the only like banner that, Xavier's you like got. That shot so. there. You like that shot? <laughs> yes, I did. Hey, I mean that reminds me of a very. Uh, you'll remember this specifically. I don't know how many people would, but that Mick Cronin video that I made a long time ago for the Crosstown uh, <laughs> had the uh, the precious armory of Xavier's precious NIT armor. banner is all that they have to hang their heads on. Um, so. You know, Xavier, again, I'm not that guy, but get a Final Four and we'll talk. <laughs> Even, it's it's really hard to talk shit in this down year, especially when we got cooked by them. But, you know, whatever. Just got to have fun with it at this point because if you're not having fun now, uh, I don't know what we're going to do to enjoy the off season. Uh, not just as, not us specifically, but as a fan base as a whole because... <laughs> ooh. I guess we'll just look forward to put football. Yep. <laughs> anyway, speaking of football, um, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl for the first time in what, like 33 years. Um, they did it with Joe Burrow, an exciting young core, a whole host of great defensive names, went out there, put everything on the line. And in the final two minutes, the zebras took away everything that we have ever just dreamt of. Not even hoped for. It wasn't even a hope. It was just a dream. It was a distant dream that we all had as kids, as teenagers, now adults, college students, adults, in the professional work world. And they stole it from us. 
They stole it, ripped it right out of our hands. Right out of our hands. It's just... I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. I think they should be... LA fans don't give a shit. Yeah, they weren't even in the top 10 markets of people watching the Super Bowl. Like I know, and it's LA. In LA. <sighs> did you? Well, I'm, I've been staying off of Twitter, Justin, but um, I got the video sent to me by our buddy Donnie of... Uh, people in LA celebrating the Super Bowl, and there was nobody out there. Absolutely no yeah. one. Just people don't care. I mean, I'll say this too: like LA is a melting pot of a lot of different people from across the country. Um, so you know, it's a very mixed fan base there. But at the end of the day, LA is LA, and like LA should, considering its size and reach, be a diehard market. And man it just it i would like i mean if if it were like we played like the say this would never happen of course because of conferences but if we played the chiefs or something in the super bowl at least i know they'd go out and party they'd be excited they'd be happy about it if we played that if we played any honestly anybody except for la because nobody there cares it sucks it sucks to just watch a team win like that and everybody else is just like ah did they win oh sweet Hey, cool. How about it's that? Painful. Yeah, I saw. Do you want to go to the bars? <laughs> yeah, I saw that they went down. Um, like they were walking through Disneyland or something, and like I didn't even watch the video, but I'm sure that zero people cared about that. Like, especially yeah. out there. Oh, just depressing. I don't really want to talk about the game because I feel like it's been overanalyzed already, and also like I don't really want to bring it up because. I know we lose every time. It's not like Doctor Strange uh, and Iron Man where they say there's one chance we win. That No, that in all of these scenarios, uh, we still lose, unfortunately. So <laughs> just that Justin, the main thing is we gave uh, we went up 20 to 20 to 13 with um, 25 minutes left of game action. And uh, we didn't score a point and we didn't uh, really give ourselves a chance to win. Because we had all that time to really bury the Rams, and we couldn't. So, props to them, obviously. One of the greatest super teams in NFL history. Uh, Happy for them. Happy for our buddy Dakota, who who I was uh, arguing with. Um, He might be one of the few (laughs) actual Rams fans I know, other than... um, That's true. Weirdly enough, Alex Meacham is a uh, Rams fan. I don't know how that worked out, um, but, you know, good for him, I guess. Huh. But uh, Dakota was tweeting me after the game, and I I just didn't really want to. I didn't really feel yeah, like I responding, you know. Yeah, I I'm I'm with you on that. I was on Twitter for a good ten minutes after that game ended, and I'm just like just logging off for the week. I I mean, it's the the worst part now is all of the over like psychoanalysis of every single play um, throughout the entire game, where it's like. You know, you go back, people are going back to the first quarter, and it's like, what if we scored here? What if we scored there? And it's like, ultimately, it didn't happen. Um, and I think we can both agree, like I said, um, when we opened this part, uh, the I think the worst part was just the officiating, and it's not a thing of like, I mean, the Bengals obviously didn't score when they should have, but if you were a referee, uh, actually, you know what? Before I say this, I am going to pull up the exact quote that I want to pull up because I mean, just was could not have been said better. Um, 
the famous, ever so famous. Oh my goodness, my computer is okay. My computer's freaking out, so it's not going to let me do it. Give me one second here because this quote came from Tony Dungy, um, which you may have seen. Tell me if you uh, haven't about the end of the game, um, and specifically about the refereeing. But he said, if I can find it now. Yes, the officials were determined to ignore every violation when the ball was in play and only call false starts, delay of game, and taunting. They maintained that posture for 58 minutes and 39 seconds. Then they started officiating. That was bad. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely bad. And, but, like, you know, I, I'm really not the blame the refs guy, and it was definitely bad. It was upsetting that, like, flags came out right at the end uh, when flags could have come out all game, but... You know, obviously, I think it's similar to the NBA where, like, those calls at the end of the game matter more for their, like, the NFL pool report, you know? And I just hate, like, you know, if we're going to not officiate these games, then just don't put the refs out there, you know? Like, I don't don't like the swallow the whistle guys. Like, if there's a foul out there, it needs to be called either way. Like, just across sports, if there's a foul out there, it needs – I understand game flow and stuff and, like, (laughs) College basketball refs will definitely call the foul if it's out there. They they, they yeah. see it, whistle foul uh, to the line, two shots. You know, uh, yeah. and, you know. I just I just don't like the idea that in football they're like, you know, like oh, we'll call this, but we won't call that at certain times. Like I mean, right, either the remove, redemption calls. Yeah, either remove the call from the playbook uh, from the rule book or call it every time. You know, because yeah, like, and I know football is an incredibly nuanced game, but. It just hurt to see all the flags come out right at the end. When like Yeah, well the Bengals were one of the least penalized teams all year too. And like, mm-hmm. you know and that Logan Wilson holding, that was I don't think that was really a holding. And I saw the, well the worst part about that is if you go back on that, there's a clear jump from the entire offensive line. Like yeah. all five guys drop back and then they call the holding on Logan Wilson. Like if they neutralize that call, that puts us on what, third down? And goal, and yeah, so and, and, and that's play. yeah, yeah. You got to make two plays after that. Third down, fourth down, make two plays. Game over. And that's I think that is the story though too of that final drive by the Rams is, you know, you just got to make a couple plays. Got to stay clean, whatever you can. But honestly, like I got to give credit to Cooper Cup too because that dude is shifty. I mean, he is just sneaky. Uh, unfortunately. Eli Apple uh, got cooked. Um, not as much, I think, as Jalen Ramsey, but for somebody who talks a lot of shit, he got cooked. <laughs> so yeah. he had that coming back on him. Um, I think it's been funny to see everyone across the NFL after Including that game Bengals lit players. him up. Yeah. Including <laughs> Bengals players. Like, I think, I mean, Eli Apple, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I see him the same way I saw Dre. Like, it's, I think the difference is, like, not as much on the field talk as Dre, but so much more online talk. And that's, that's the worst thing. But I mean, Hey, if it keeps your follower account up, I guess, I don't know. I, I think, I think he, he honestly was a little problematic, but again, you can't just blame him because there were so many other issues um, across the board um, that needed to be solved. And there were so many um, like the Bengals. I mean, I, the stat that I just saw um, yesterday was that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins combined for 160 yards and like two touchdowns on Jalen Ramsey, 
or at least a touchdown on Jalen Ramsey, which is the most that he's ever allowed in a single game in his career, which I think just goes to show um, how talented our offensive core is. Um, and especially considering those guys are coming out of what back-to-back drafts or I guess, is it back-to-back drafts? Is Jamar was T T was last year or the year before uh, T was last year. Same. Yeah. So it's, you know, looking at that across the board, like, you know, we're, we're set and I think we've got some solid pieces. Um, one other tweet too, that I wanted to bring up because I also found that one interesting. Um, where is it at? Yeah, there was a guy um, that said this at Rel Phoenix. Never seen this guy before on anything, but um, said the Bengals are a Super Bowl team that needs a few pieces to return. And if they drafted Penny Sewell, they would be an up and coming team who needs a few pace, pieces to make the playoffs, which I 100% agree with because um, there was a lot of people after the game who were saying, Jamar Chase is great, awesome, it's nice that we have him, but the O-line cost us, which we all knew if there's anything that's going to cost us, it's going to be the O-line. And of course it was the O-line. <laughs> but at the same time, um, we don't make it to the Super Bowl without Jamar Chase, and I firmly believe that. And I don't know if you know if people want to disagree with that, you, you, know, you can at me, I don't care. Um, but You just have to remember, Justin, that people on Twitter are just people on Twitter. They, they're not scouts. They're not football coaches. They're not any of that shit. They're just people. They, they really just have their own opinions, which is just crazy to me that we listen to just people's opinions on Twitter. But I don't know. Yeah. I, it's you're right though. Like I love Chase is the rookie of the year, and like he might have been one of the best rookie receivers ever. Like he was just that yeah. good, and like the connection was obviously undeniable. And I think really like you know obviously like. You got to give props to him, but without the defense, we would not have gotten all the way to the Super Bowl either. Like this defense no. really balled out this year, and that I think, they did. I think that's just going to incentivize the Bengals to like keep spending in free agency. Hopefully, they don't get too many busts, and they get more guys like Trey Hendrickson, who was a universally yep. pan signing as like too much money and yeah. too long, but he was one of the best like defensive ends by sack numbers this year, and. I don't know. I, I think I think the Bengals are proven right this year after a lot of years of being told like, you know, this is not the way to build a team. And obviously and say what you want about lucking into Joe Burrow, but they took their chance and obviously they sucked enough to get him and he and now they just gotta build around him. But him getting the Bengals to the Super Bowl in year two of his career is nothing short of like I mean, I like this word, but Herculean. It's crazy to think yeah. about how low we were on this franchise two years ago, Justin, and now how high we are. <laughs> like, it's just absolute insanity. There's also it's just, a, I mean, cool... it's a... sorry, go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, it was also just cool to see our team in the Super Bowl, like something we've never like even thought might was a remote possibility. Like, it was just cool uh, to watch the Super Bowl as a Bengals fan with the team in it. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think everybody had like a bit of a different um approach to whatever they were doing for the game if they were going to a super bowl party um if you're in cincinnati which i managed to uh head down for the weekend i got out at 2 p.m on uh sunday and it was like 22 23 degrees and sat out in that uh until the end of the game till the final whistle 
Um, and I did not want to stand around and see Aaron Donald talk a bunch of shit, uh, <laughs> which that's a whole nother conversation of its own. Cause I don't know. I don't like Aaron Donald, but he is clearly very talented. Um, and unfortunately at the end, our O-line collapsing, um, with Joe Burrow trying to heave the ball, um, and Sam P Ryan, uh, Samaje P Ryan, uh, not making the slightest effort on fourth and one to try to dive, uh, to catch the ball. Um, to just get us in field goal position is brutally painful, but that is besides the point. I just feel very personally pained by that because I watched that and um, literally screamed, what the fuck is going on? Why? Why? Like, uh, that one That one pained me. But regardless, it was a good time. Um, the Super Bowl, like, to be a fan of a team that's in the Super Bowl and not just be a fan of a team, but, like, be a, you know true like born and raised fan of a team in the super bowl is uh something that i never thought that i would experience based on the course of this franchise's uh course for lack of better word uh over the entire um course of my life (laughs) um it's it's nice to see the Bengals actually um getting it done um you know all the way up until that point um and i think we'll be back I firmly believe we'll be back. Um, and I think we have all the pieces. Um, and like that guy had said that I had just mentioned, the Bengals just need a few pieces to get in line. Um, we need to make some good free agency grabs, um, bolster that offensive line, um, maybe trade away Eli Apple, and I think we'll be okay. <laughs> just cut him. Just cut him. Just cut him. There's a, you know that uh, tweet from uh, like the Jets or whatever a long while ago? I don't remember who it was. The guy walked up to the uh, um, facility, and he like tried to scan his key card in, and he's like, they cut me. They cut me. <laughs> and he can't get oh, in the door. Oh, uh, Jamal. Jamal Adams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jamal. Yeah, Jamal. <laughs> It'd be really funny if that happened to Eli Apple. Um, and maybe it's just the inner bear cat in me that really just does not like Ohio state. That's really pushing for that. But also, I mean, Buckeyes in the NFL, man, yeah. they just let you down. They let you down. That's Except maybe problem. Justin Fields. We'll see oh, what happens with hey, him. You know, my take on Ohio state quarterbacks. So yeah, they suck. <laughs> they never pan out. Exactly. But Hey, I mean, look at it this way. We have the arguably, top two, top three, most uh, up-and-coming and and exciting uh, QB, wide receiver, running back, like just a full offensive core um, minus the O-line because clearly that's an issue. Um, And I think that should have some longevity. If we can retain these guys over the next few years, which we should be able to just considering their contracts um, and rookie deals, I think we're golden, man. I think we're really set. Um, And the other thing we didn't mention, Zach Taylor got signed through 2026, which that... Uh, for some people, is splitting hairs. Um, you know, some people are very on board with that. Some people are not. Um, I find myself very neutral in that position. But shout out to Zach Taylor. Shout out to Joe Burrow. Shout out to the Bengals for the run, man. It was cool. It was awesome to be yeah. like have my love reignited again. And I'm just like, you know, now we keep going, and now we're uh, we got that generational quarterback we've always wanted. You know, so. Yep. Um, just it's it's awesome, man. It's just such a great Thank time. you. Thank you for just winning one. Yep. Just one. That's yep. all we wanted. You gave us that. One and That's, one we got you know, three. <laughs> this this is not the icing. This is the cake. Just the one. 
This and is true. If you can give us, if you can at least get us the playoffs every year, God damn it, I am on board. I'll the keep boys, spending uh, my money. Same time next year, right? Same, same. Yeah, same, same time, time next year. year. <laughs> hopefully, different place, and hopefully, we don't have to play three straight road games in the playoffs again. Which, um, I don't think that's fair, but you know, it is what it is. Yep. Same here, but oh well. Um, Justin, you want to close up with some quick notes and get out of here? Sure thing. So let me uh, just rattle these off real quick. You uh, see, baseball starts this weekend. Um, while we don't have a uh, Reds baseball uh, lockout problems, um, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report this past Tuesday, which a little bit depressing. But oh well. You uh, see, baseball is back this weekend. Uh, if you've never watched a you see baseball game or a college baseball game in general, uh, give it a try. Like they're all on ESPN Plus or on. Uh, UC's website. You have to uh, check the schedule, but uh, I th- I think they're a lot of fun and like just the sound of an aluminum bat, like the nice ping of the aluminum bat is a. I and I, I love the crack of the wood bat, but the ping of the, of the aluminum bat just brings me back to my childhood and playing baseball. So uh, if you yep. if you're bored this weekend, definitely turn on a game. Um, I don't the know sounds who, of summer. Yeah, I don't know who they're playing, but um, you'll have to check that out. Uh, Speaking of new seasons, the cross season starts today for the UC women's team, and they play against dreaded rivals Ohio State in uh, Nippert Stadium. So uh, that'll be a fun. Oh, nice! That'll be a fun game, a four o'clock game, and um, uh, looks like students uh, who go are going to get Kane's gift cards. So um, if you're a student who's listening, uh, it's probably already passed, but go get your Kane's gift card, guy. Yeah. Hey, that, that's yeah. free money that's that's a free meal like students we know justin how students are like we need free meals <laughs> so um yeah. uh, no matter how much money you have for your parents yeah. for your tuition so, you just want a free meal <laughs> exactly uh so by the way bearcats play at florida gulf coast university this weekend a four game set uh at fgcu uh, and all those games are on YouTube, so you can find them there. And then next nice. weekend, it's another four-game set uh, at North Alabama. That's on ESPN Plus. And then it uh, looks like most of the rest of the season is on ESPN Plus. So if you have ESPN Plus, definitely find your way over there and uh, watch a couple games. It's a great it, – like usually we get one game a year where the Bearcats knock off like a top-10 team somehow, and that's yep. pretty fun. So uh, if you save – Are any of those uh... – any of those double headers? Um, there is a double header this Saturday uh, okay. against FGCU. So nice Saturday, uh, one and four thirty. There's, I think those are seven inning double headers. So, you know, if you're there just you not doing anything, just turn it on on YouTube in the background and support the cats. So, um, there you go. Uh, so then, across place today, and then I want to give a shout out to the club hockey team. They just debuted some new jerseys and. Uh, they look really slick. I love the new UC logo. And the boys are rolling through the schedule. I saw recently they rolled Xavier and they beat uh, Penn State this past weekend. I think they were ranked in the club hockey rankings, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've always had a good relationship with the club hockey guys from our barstool days. And um, yep. it's still like a, a pipe dream of mine to hope that one day we could get a club hockey, like a, a real hockey team instead of a club hockey team. E1, you know, baby. Come on. And, uh, eventually, in the Armory Fieldhouse, we get that baby, but um, no, it's not exactly a reality, you know, but 
Hey, let me dream. A boy can dream. Hey, what is something that we dreamed about our whole lives that finally came true? This is true. <laughs> we dreamed exactly. about the Super Bowl and it happened. So actually, I take that back. Just keep Bearcats. dreaming. The Bearcats finished their regular season schedule this weekend, and now they're headed to the postseason. So good for them. Um, there we go. And it looks like they are uh, raising money tonight at the Cyclones game in order to uh, get their make their way to the uh, the tournament. So good luck to those go. Bearcats the rest of the way. Indeed, indeed. And also, those jerseys are fire. And if any one of you of club hockey are listening and you want to just help a brother out. I'm looking to put one <laughs> on my wall. Same here. That probably will never happen, but yeah, those are gorgeous folks. If you haven't seen them, go ahead to Twitter, uh, follow the club hockey team, check them out and help make them some noise. Cause those guys have been playing really well consistently over the past few years and Definitely. they deserve a lot more credit than they've been given, especially so, by the like, athletic department. If the athletic department is listening I would buy one of the polos that Wes Miller was wearing last night. Uh, we all agree yep. that it would be beautiful for a Saturday tailgate in like September when it's still 90 degrees outside. That would be so, uh, so sick. So put those on. Sale. Hitting the links. Anything like, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, like, that's a beach polo. That's a, that, it's so universal and it's classic. And my last point before we hop off here about the polos, um, I think those polos should stick around long-term. And I said this in the chat last night, and I'll say it again. I really would not be uh, disgusted if I never saw the Paul again. That's a hot take, but <laughs> I mean, I, I was so turned on by just the block you see, and it's just so clean and slick, and I think you can put it on everything, and damn it, I want it. Just give me the polo. Just some, give it to me. Some teams wear consistent throwbacks, and while, like, 90s ones might be uh, more well-received as a consistent throwback than these ones. I, I'll say it. I like these ones a lot. Like, these ones were really clean. Yep. I love like, – sometimes I think we wear black, like uh, – I mean, maybe not too much. It's obviously one of our school colors. But it's just an interesting look at, like, what just red and white looks like on a jersey. So uh, props to the whole team, by the way, for getting all that done. And um, I got I got a couple cups for – Myself and Justin, so we're all uh, covered on that. Hell end. yeah, brother! And uh, we, the programs were cool. The uniforms were cool. The presentation was cool. Uh, I saw that uh, they they probably had a little fun with the banners uh, for like the conference schools because before the game on the ribbon boards they had armory background with like conference school banners, and they had uh, Florida Tech on on there for the UCF Florida banner. Tech. And I, I saw that someone. Uh, took a picture of that and said, this will make them even madder than calling them Central Florida. So uh, <laughs> that honestly, that should be our forever name for them. Just like we call like Xavier Norwood state, Florida tech every time I respect the troll. I, I'm, I'm going to be disgusted if I don't see that every time we play them from now on. Yep. Don't let me forget. <laughs> I, I agree. Well, Justin, that's a good point. It was a rough, rough couple weeks there, but, I think we're going to be just fine. I think we're going to get through. Uh, Bearcat fans, Bengal fans, Cincinnati fans, listen to our podcast for sure. But after you listen to our podcast, ask your friends for some music recommendations. I I'll say I asked my friends for some music recommendations this week, and they've come in very handy. And I have not listened had to listen to sports podcast for the first <laughs> three days of the week. So if I can get through this week without listening to podcasts, I think I'm going to do that. But obviously, 
listen to Viva the Cats. Tell your friends to listen to Viva the Cats. Tell your enemies to listen to Viva the Cats. Tell your Xavier yeah. fans to drink our tears uh, in on Viva the Cats. Uh, yeah. Tell, um, if you know any Memphis people, tell them to drink our tears on Viva the Cats. If you know any Houston fans, tell them to tell drink them our to tears. Drink, yeah. We are, uh, Justin, I'm obviously uh, really here for Bearcat fans, but I, I can't deny, like, having other people's fans come in and listen to us and drink our tears, it helps ratings. So, you know what? It really does. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I officially think we need to start a marketing campaign. Um, <laughs> you know what? That's the episode of this uh, episode of this episode uh, or name of this episode is going to be drink our tears um <laughs> and the only other point that i want to mention is that we really need to start pushing towards Tulane crowd because honestly i wouldn't be opposed to a quick like 15 minute weekly pod just covering Fear the wave vlog <laughs> shout out come on the pod Fear the wave yeah maybe we can get them maybe we can get yeah, them cool. well anyways uh it's been great trying to recap the past two weeks of suffering but regardless uh, we're not going to keep you guys any longer thanks for tuning in this week um and for giving us for a week off um we'll be back next week um hopefully with some more enticing winds of news of dubs and all of that jazz so take care drive safe in the snow hopefully it starts melting and we get warmer weathers because i'm really sick of this shit uh and go bearcats Go Bearcats. Go Bengals. Go Bearcats. Today, hopefully next time we record, the cats will be back. Have a good one, everybody.